Hello and welcome to Is This Anime? I'm your anime expert, Jack Metcalf. And joining us once again is Logan Middleton. Logan, how are you, buddy? I'm just feeling good about being, you know, in the at least the top 10 most recurring guests on this podcast. Yeah, I, I was going to count how many you've done. Um, there was one girl, I, lo- I ended up losing her one of her podcasts, and now she's done, down negative one. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I won't say who, I don't want to make a reference to it. But yeah, you, you are definitely in the top five, I feel. And, you know, you have also haven't had the luxury of doing, like, five episode miniseries that like kind of like inflate your uh your count that is true i'm a bit of a wild card you've been a wild card let's get right into it because we all have things to do and hey let's make this tight and crisp let's talk gundam logan what is your experience with gundam and if if there's no experience what is your experience with um people piloting giant robots in general (laughs) well that's just it i had absolutely no reference point jumping into (laughs) mobile suit gundam i i i don't know if i should admit that i'd never heard of it before um so going into it completely blind without any reference okay i was like this is like a cop show a space show it's gi joe it's a coming of age show it's a war show it's star wars it's a pacific rim it's transformers it's all over the place and i love it that's awesome. Um, that's that's funny. I thought you would have at least heard of Gundam. Um, you, you're a bit younger than me. Gundam Gundam Wing, which is one of the many many Gundam series, uh, that was kind of the big one for for '90s kids. Uh, it, it came out around Dragon Ball Z, Sailor Moon on like YTV and Toonami. That was a big one. Um, <laughs> Malcolm and I, way back, like fucking 80 episodes ago, already did like a big uh, mobile suit Gundam deep dive into the history so i'm gonna spare you spare you uh, a lot of the details but i'll say this the original series mobile suit gundam it came out in 1979 it was created by yoshiyuki tomino uh it's gundam is kind of the japanese star trek like star trek uh the first uh season or even star trek's case first three seasons were not successful then there was a big toy line or or in uh, star trek's case there were trekkies that ended up bringing it back. Uh, I'm not going to count how many uh, Gundam animes there are, but I will say, uh, luckily for you, Logan, this is only the fourth, and it is the first OVA of the Gundam series, because uh, this is a six-episode miniseries. It is not a 50-episode series. That's what I was reading, is that it's kind of like a, a pocket. Well, pocket is in, I guess, the name of it, isn't it? Um, War in the Pocket. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a side story adjacent to like the greater kind of arc of the show or series yeah yeah exactly and i don't want to say the original gundam is like toyetic i watched the movie compilation uh there's like a three trilogy movie compilation of like the first 50 episodes it kind of cuts out not necessarily the filler but it kind of gives you the quick hits just to understand the concept it it is an obscenely political work uh even for something that was like somewhat made for children it's still you know a post-war japan uh piece of work oh, uh, so there so there is you know things about you know the main character in the original gundam series his name is amuro ray and you know he's basically a child soldier and he slowly loses his humanity there, there's another gundam series that followed this called zeta gundam which was a far bigger hit uh spoiler alert for zeta gundam the lead character in that series it ends with him uh you know he fights the big battle 
but he ends up getting severe PTSD, and at the end of the series, he is in a catatonic state from which he never recovers from. Oh, that was really feel good. Yeah, I really feel good. Um, there's also a recurring antagonist in the original Gundam series called Char Aznable. He becomes a bit of an anti-hero in Zeta Gundam. And then, just to make things even more depressing, there is a movie where Char and Amuro Ray have their final battle, and uh, Char decides that humanity sucks and just decides to drop... Uh, I wouldn't say a planet, he pretty much tries to crash a moon. And it ends with both him and Amuro seemingly dying. So... Oh. <laughs> oh my god that that's the quick hits of gundam i'll give you okay. i'll give you one other uh quick bit of info for the context this series uh so the original gundam series takes place over the course of one year in 1979 ends in uh or not 1979 0079 in what is known as the universal century mobile suit gundam war in the pocket takes place at the tail end of uh 0080 and basically, there is what is known as the One-Year War. The Principality of Zeon are basically... Um, they're, a, they're a side colony that has declared independence from Earth because they feel that the Earth Federation has treated all these space colonies poorly. They kind of have good reasons for rebelling, but they're also led by a bunch of uh, not-so-good aristocrats. So... They want independence, but they're also kind of Nazis, and the Earth Federation are kind of the good guys, but they're also kind of fascists. Yeah, heroes and villains on both sides. Yeah, absolutely. And we kind of meet characters from both sides. Yeah, and what's great about um, War in the Pocket, first of all, it's only six episodes. It's completely disconnected from the greater mythology of the... the um, the main series. In the main series, there's this concept called New Types, which are basically these... Uh, the the advanced level Gundam pilots are basically psychics who can control their Gundams extra well. Uh, and that's a concept that when you get into that, uh, I'm sure a lot of people are just like, okay, I'm off. <laughs> the people who are into it are into it. But uh, once you get into the whole new type mythology, it's definitely another layer of, okay, this shit is kind of hard to understand. War in the Pocket is just... Basics, child soldiers, war, uh, heroes on both sides, and a lot and lots of pain. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I will say is it's nice for a show that's part of such a larger kind of mythology that this this is very easy to jump into. And it's Absolutely. not hard to figure out, like, kind of what's going on. And it's not like you're bogged down by exposition, but once you kind of get going, despite the fact that there's, like, so many different kind of concepts and and shows within shows, um, it's very easy to follow. Yeah, absolutely. And also, <laughs> I'm just going to, just just to have fun, uh, in addition to like the Universal Century timeline, there are also other alternate universe timelines in Gundam, so they'll just be like 50-episode series that are their own thing and have their own mythology. Um, it's a great way for, for new people to jump in, basically, because, again, there there is so much Universal Century content <laughs> Uh, it spans, you know, dozens of manga, novels, video games, TV, TV shows, OVAs. It, it's a lot to take in. But again, that's why we're we're going with War in the Pocket because it's six episodes, tight and crisp, and it definitely gets to the message of Gundam, which is, hey, war kind of fucking sucks. Yeah, absolutely. It it almost plays like a, um, a, a less depressing like. Uh, what is it? War of the Fireflies or uh, Oh, Grave of the Fireflies. Oh, of the Fireflies. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, 
Yeah, like the same kind of like messaging in there, but without just like completely mentally draining you. Yeah, Grave of the Fireflies is a uh, is it, it you know if Warren the pocket Warren the pocket gets close to the Grave of the Fireflies ending, um, but yeah, that thing is its own own level of depressing, which is why I'm hesitant yeah, to cover it, it on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, I, I kind, I'm not sure if I even want to cover it on the podcast because it is something where it's like, how can we fucking laugh about this? At least oh, with Gundam, yeah. the, at least with Gundam, there's some there's some stuff we can joke about. Anyways, yeah. let's get right into these six episodes. We open on a submarine. It's launching multiple units. These armored units. They are not Gundams. They are mobile suits. The only thing that is a Gundam is the Gundam. <laughs> Just to make it clear, the Gundam. The Gundam is special. Uh, so, so there, yeah. Anyways, uh, we, we see these dudes. Uh, one of them's name is Garcia. We have another guy named Mikhail. Then we have their leader, um, Hardy Steiner. And then another guy named Andy. I don't even think we got to see Andy's face. No, I can't even recall that character. <laughs> Andy is killed almost immediately. Um, so yeah, the, this crew, they are, they are members of Zeon. They are technically... If you're someone who's just been watching uh, the anime, maybe you just kn- know the quick hits. These guys are basically on the bad guys team, um, but they're cool characters. I mean, Garcia, fuck man, Garcia is a cool dude. I love him so much. What was his voice? Was he the one with the, the more distinct voice? Yeah, very. I don't even think it, it. I'm not sure if it was Hispanic or Cuban or something. That's right. But yeah, he, I he he was notably like kind of like even within that team, more of the wild card than any of the others. I mean, if you're doing a, if you're doing a movie version of this, he's being played by Benicio Del Toro for sure. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. He's DJ and last Jedi, but in this show. Oh, absolutely. Um, so anyways, the, 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 uh, you know, the a team or whatever, they launch out of the sea and onto an Arctic base and they fuck people up. Um, I had watched this series years ago, um, you know, maybe like two or three years ago. I forgot how good the animation uh, is for this. Because, yeah, this was uh, released in 1989. It is also the uh, first of the Gundam series to have no involvement uh, from the main Gundam creator, Tamino. And goddamn, man, it looks fucking gorgeous. What do you think? It's the animation that I really kind of gravitate towards. Like, it's, it's aged in a delightful kind of way. Like, it's of its era, but... It's of that like animation era that I love so much. Um, you know, this came out right between like Akira and My Neighbor Totoro, which are two of my favorite, you know, animes ever. And like this just like harkens back to what I would catch like old reruns of anime shows, you know, in the early 2000s. Um, you know, where it's not anything from a computer. It's all like you can tell there's sweat and blood in it and it just looks wonderful. Yeah, and you know it doesn't have a movie budget. It's it's not as amazing to look at as Akira, which was you know a famously expensive oh, of film of its era. Yeah, but it's also a step up from say television animation because it is this six episode OVA. So they had quite a bit more money. So it's in this you know it's in a nice in between spot. It it looks retro, but it, you know it moves well. And the transfer we watched was was very clean on top yeah, of that. Yeah, it was unreal. I loved it. What do you think of the soundtrack? It is so fucking eighties, but I love it. Yeah, there's a few melodies in there that I couldn't quite put my finger on, but they are very similar, um, almost to a point of 
possibly being a plagiarism. Little, well, maybe being a little redundant of other things. Uh, it is very eighties, and there's definitely things in there that I'm like, I think that sounds like that pop song of that era, you know? But, yeah, I, I I know Japan had copyright law by this time because uh, another podcast another podcast we did we talked about Lupin the Third in the in the sixties like copyright law didn't exist in that country yet. Uh, but you know, if if you're if you're talking about you know a, a Japanese import animation that probably had to be purchased on you know VHS <laughs> uh, video cassettes at like you know some sort of convention, I don't think a lot of uh, rights holders are checking for that. Yeah, no, I, I I'd be inclined to agree. And yeah, I mean it's a, it's a, it's a very dated in a good way kind of soundtrack. Um, there are a few parts throughout the show, and I'm like, this would really benefit from something almost more orchestral uh but for its era like the the synthesizers are great um if dated yeah i love it um so anyways these dudes are pros uh there's a great shot of um one of one of the guys grabs an enemy unit and uses it as a human shield basically so i thought that was glorious and Yeah. yeah poor andy unfortunately does not make it and his general cries out to the heavens and then we cue the glorious music can't you see that you sweets which <laughs> it's pretty great <laughs> i love it that um it's 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 a distinct intro yeah <laughs> to say the least yeah no I, um, I i watched it in its entirety through uh through my through the first episode there but it's like two minutes long and it got to the point where I was oh like, yeah all right wrap it up Exactly, and it doesn't have like any fun visuals like some other amp- anime openings do either. So, yeah. but we get to hear it again a couple times in just plot context. So that's a, that's a whole other thing. So we see this colony. Uh, these colonies again. The mythology of Gundam is really cool because the the space colonies are cylindrical. So, uh, you know, I don't I don't know how exactly that works, but uh, I don't know, Logan. You've never seen Gundam. What do you think of these cylindrical colonies? That kind of sci-fi. I mean, it's a, a more interesting take to me than something like, uh, um, oh god, what is that movie where, that where uh, it's just like a satellite, a big satellite city or some shit. Yeah, satellite. Or I'm trying to think what 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 was the movie that was a follow-up to District Nine? Um, oh, uh, Elysium. I think Elysium. I never saw it. Yeah, just that big spherical shape. I'm like, okay, you're trying to make something that looks like the future. This was a lot more um humble in a way um and it's just different like you're not watching things often we're like oh there's that cylindrical colony again like it's it's very unique to this so it's a peaceful place kids are playing and having fun and our hero al is drawing mobile suits so al you know a total um surrogate character for the audience you know he likes mobile suits and gundams just like you kid yeah um and he's gonna learn the hard way. Oh fuck! Um, yeah, I mean, so this group of friends are very much of the mindset, like, yeah, war, let's go. You know, let's buy Gundams. Let's buy, you know, all all the because uh, again, the thing about Gundam is the uh, the thing that really makes Gundam Gundam is the uh, the the uh, model kits. So mm-hmm. you know, they want the model kits just like everyone else. You know, they're collecting Federation badges and like bullets they find, and they're like, hey. This shit's cool as fuck. Um, Al, he meets with his father. He's given an important letter. And then he bumps into a red-haired girl named Christina. 
Uh, he knows her from way back. She probably used to babysit him or something. And she just came back from Earth. So, you know, wonder what she was doing there. They have just tea. Visiting. Just visiting. Um, Christina, again, you know, an interesting character. Because you're like, oh, you know, this is like the kind of standard love interest. And then, then you learn what she actually does. And she is technically a hero, but she's also a cold-blooded killer. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that was kind of an interesting uh, turn of events because she has really just kind of got that girl next door vibe kind of going on. Um, and then the realization of what her occupation is is like, oh, that's that's an interesting take. Yeah, uh, we also see Al. He's playing a gun game called Stalking Crisis on his Ascot console. I wrote that down. I checked oh the names. God, the sound effects <laughs> like you can you can tell they're ripped right out of that era. And it's just awesome. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's like a Nintendo light gun game, and uh, you know, when when he gets when his mom pisses him off or whatever, he's like destroying the buildings and like intentionally getting a game over, which you know, foreshadowing some events to come. Um, yeah, we see your hometown demolished. Yeah. <laughs> Again, the, the contrast between hey, this is just a fun game to oh. You know, this this shit can hit home and it's fucking terrible. Yeah. Um, anyways, uh, one of Al's friends, she's a girl. She she breaks the news to Al's other friends that the badges they found just came from a toy store. And then all of a sudden, the battle between the Earth Federation and the Principality of Zeon begins. Al locks eyes with one of the Zeon pilots and follows him. And then Al encounters the pilot who points a gun at him. And... I love that final shot of the first episode because we see how massive uh, these mobile suits actually are just compared to a person. It's such a great shot. Oh, it's unreal. You know, it's like, uh, it, well, it's like Shia LaBeouf standing next to Optimus Prime. <laughs> you really sure. see the difference in size. You, you really do. Uh, fuck. There's another one of those Transformers movies coming out. I hope the... Uh, the designs are more G1 style. I think we, I don't think we need the, uh, the overly designed shit from those other movies. Oh, I'm over we'll it. see. <laughs> I'm over it. I never saw Bumblebee. I heard that was good. It was all right. I didn't mind. I mean, Haley Steinfeld's a good actress and I like her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, episode two, uh, this pilot, this mobile suit pilot, he, he is a soldier of Xeon. His name is Bernie. Uh, Logan, do you know who voices Bernie? No, who is it? Uh, David Hayter, voice of Solid Snake himself. Wait, what? Yeah, David Hayter, who, who I, I don't know when this dub was commissioned. Um, David Hayter did do a lot of dubs in the early 90s. He also did like low-budget Power Rangers-style shows. He did a, he did a low-budget movie adaptation called Giver. I've never seen it, but apparently that was like one of his early uh, claims to fame. But yeah, David Hayter voicing Bernie. Why do I feel like Mark Hamill is in Guyver? This seems like something Mark Hamill would do during that era. All right. No, but Mark ha- Hamill is in the film The Guyver from 91. Maybe that's the one David Hayter's in? Or are there multiple ones? There's multiple Guyvers? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. Better known as Solid Snake. And, uh, he, and he also wrote X-Men 2 and uh, a draft of Watchmen, which he got credited for in the Zack Snyder movie. Oh, crazy. Uh, yeah, he said he was the uh, the one person to get a blessing from Alan Moore because he had shown Alan Moore the screenplay that he wrote, which which got changed because his version of the screenplay was supposed to be um, set in modern day. It featured more changes, but 
according to Hayter, Alan Moore respected those changes. And this was also during a time where Alan Moore wasn't... Alan Moore was just on the cusp of hating Hollywood. He was getting there, but he was still kind of nice to people. Yeah, he's just so. an old chunk of coal now. I like him. I understand I like where he's coming too, from. But he, he, he's an old chunk he's, of he's, coal. He's an old man. You know, you get you get to be that kind of old when you when you make some of the most, <laughs> as he says, they're just regurgitating all his ideas from the eighties. It's true. I yeah. love it. He's just like he's just like no guys, like don't fucking do that. <laughs> he doesn't like it. He's like no. It's like come up with new ideas, and you're just using all my shit. Well, yeah. Anyways, I. I if if somebody just took every idea you had 30 years ago, you'd just be like, I'm over it. I, that was 30 years yeah, ago. Exactly. Anyways, yeah. moving on. So Bernie, uh, Bernie, Bernard, however we want to call him, he lets Al hold his gun and then he uses Al's binoculars to get a peek at Christina. Because, <laughs> you know, he's still a kid. Bernie's still a kid. And he also is uh, there to investigate the, what the colony is building. Bernie gives Al his Xeon patch in exchange for the binoculars. And then, meanwhile, on what looks to be a moon, the Xeon strike team, led by Steiner, plans their next move. Their military has transferred Bernie to their squad. Uh, Christina, at one point, asks Al if she can hang out with him, and he says uh, no, because him and Bernie have a no-girls hangout. <laughs> Let's talk about the relationship between Bernie and Al, which is so great, and then, of course, leads to terrible horrible tragedy um the the brotherly plot of it all is wonderful like that brought me I love so much it. joy you know he, st- he starts referring to bernie as just big brother and uh the chemistry is is absolutely wonderful you know you genuinely you genuinely feel like uh al looks up to this guy and uh you know it's reciprocated yeah and like david Hayter, he, he does give a really good performance as bernie i think Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Bernie's awesome. He is awesome. Uh, sadly, sadly, things are to come. Anyways, um, Al investigates Bernie's mobile suit. <laughs> uh, at one point, um, so Bernie has to go on a mission, and at one point his co-pilot is just straight up shot in the head, which I was just like, what the fuck? Yeah, it gets a little bloody at certain points, This and it's unexpected every time. This was released on in broadcast but it, because it was like a special video presentation it was released like one episode a month for like six months but yeah they they get away with a lot of blood when the human characters die they're fucked up yeah oh absolutely like i just remember i think i wrote down a few times like oh this is getting fucking bloody holy shit and i'm just imagining if i was like 10 years old watching this i'd be like good lord all of a sudden it goes from like flashy 80s transformers animation to just blood i love it but yeah it, it, Again, when you have that kind of style, it just catches you off guard and it hits you even harder. Totally. Absolutely. Um, Bernie attempts to get landing clearance in this fake commercial vessel as a battle between the Federation and Xeon happens in space. And then, um, thankfully, his, uh, his boss, Hardy Steiner, uh, he's able to get Bernie off because Steiner, his acting's fantastic. I, I wrote down in my notes, I think Steiner must be a part-time actor as he charms the customs guy at the spaceport. Also, just a great name, Hardy Steiner. I love it. It's unreal. And he's got, and he's got a fantastic mustache too. He's got everything. You totally want this guy to be like, you know, your boss of the A team. Yeah. Again, if we're casting a live action version of this, that's like Sam Elliott. Oh my god, that would be great. So Al, he hitches a ride on the truck convoy that is run by Bernie's squad, and he gets super excited. 
about the return of Xeon forces. Episode 3, Al snitches to the cops about the Xeon forces. He claims he got injured in a hit and run. Al rats on Garcia, and I'm just like, Al, Al, you're ratting on, on the brown guy. Of course you are. Oh. <laughs> Al also shows his butt to the cops. Yeah, yeah, he got a boo-boo. Um, so, again, these, you know, the A-team is, you know, they're... Um, they're professional because when the cops are investigating um, the truck convoy, Mikhail is just straight up about to kill one of the cops. Yeah, and then uh, Al notices this and obviously is just, uh, uh, what does he, oh, he goes and does his big brother, I found you, it's good to see you. Yeah. I lied in order to save the cop. Yeah, he says he just made it up and Al really wants to be on Bernie's team and then they say in order to be on their team, Al just has to give a bunch of info to Hardy. And as a reward, they give Al a Zeon insignia. Again, just bribing bribing this kid with military paraphernalia. <laughs> and Garcia, Garcia, ever the professional, wants to kill Al. Yeah, nothing like a little child murder to get you through the day. But Mikhail, meanwhile, he thinks Al will keep Bernie out of the way because again, Bernie's Bernie's the young guy. They have to take him, but you know, they can't they want the big boys to do their own job. That's right. Chris accidentally knocks Bernie out thinking he was a burglar and then they have tea uh they have dinner with Chris's family and you get the sense of tension. I'm not I don't have in my notes. Is it revealed at this point in episode 3 that Christina's uh one of the Gundam pilots or we're about to find out? I don't recall knowing it at that time. I don't have that in my notes, so I think Yeah, I think that's later. I Yeah, I think my the tension I was having was coming just from me watching this a second time. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they're having dinner and then Al is continuing to pretend that Bernie is his brother. Uh, oh yeah. It's after this that Bernie learns that Chris is a fed. Uh, she claims she does data research and then Al reveals that Bernie is a soldier, but he deflects. And then after this moment, it's revealed that Chris is the prototype Gundam pilot. That's right. Meanwhile, Al and Bernie, they stow away on a space vessel in order to find the prototype, and then Al manages to snap a pic of the Gundam. We're already halfway. We're, we're going on this swimmingly. Uh, episode 4, uh, Garcia orders a bottle of flat beer, which it turns out is code to get info on the prototype. And we see the Xeon crew pose as different types of worker in order to set up their plan. We get this montage of them just in like different getups. I love that part because if you were at a bar or something and somebody's like, can I get a flat beer? You'd be like, what the fuck are you like? Why would you do that? <laughs> can I? Get yeah, a it's a beer. I love the bartender, too. Yeah. Uh, he's just a cool dude. Yeah. Again, it, it, it's funny the way this show kind of plays it up because. I guess later we definitely get an uh, an inclination that Zeon does kind of suck, mm-hmm. but at this point in the series, you're 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 not really knowing which side is right. And if you've probably never watched a Gundam series, you're like, oh yeah, the, these guys are the good guys. I don't know. How do you feel, Logan? Uh, would, without knowing the mythology, I would completely agree. I was like, yeah, we're, we like Bernie's team. They're doing some weird shit, but like we like Bernie, so he's probably on the right side of things. And then it's kind of like, oh. This is, uh, it's kind of, it's a gray area. You know, at a certain point where you're like, do I like Bernie's team? No. Do I like the other team? No. You know, but that's how war is. Uh, so at school, Al defends Zeon's honor. Uh, his friends uh, one-up him by telling him about the Gundam. 
And then Hardy Steiner also meets with the bartender and acknowledges that they're actually part of the decoy crew. And again, as I said earlier about the backstory of this, this being said in the year 0080, it's towards the end of the one-year war, so Hardy does know that they're they're on the losing team. Al calls up Bernie and tells him that Chris is going to visit, uh, let him visit the base. Bernie, Bernie pretends to be Australian. I love this. Shit. <laughs> yeah, that was unreal. <laughs> uh, when I when I was just doing a bit of research on the the timeline, I actually learned that Sydney was actually destroyed by Zeon. Oh, uh, they they like dropped. They dropped like uh, I don't know if they dropped a moon. They dropped like a portion of a colony or something. Don't at me if I got this shit wrong. But yeah, <laughs> Sydney was destroyed. So that that makes the Australian accent. I don't know if the writers knew this. Again, they're probably just translating whatever they have. But I did find it funny that he picks Australia. Yeah, that's awesome. Now knowing that now knowing that Sydney was destroyed. Yeah, I love that. That's so good. <laughs> I mean, I didn't know that, uh, and I still loved it. I love it. And now there's an extra layer because he's using the voice of a country that got incredibly fucked up by his uh, people. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, he's pretending to be Australian during the infiltration while Garcia is just fucking knifing dudes. Yeah, episode four gets like bloody. Like there, there's always yeah. the moments in the previous three episodes, but episode four where I was like, was like, whoa, this is uh, this is getting gruesome. Yeah, I mean, that, that's another good question to ask, Logan. Were you... I, there is violence in those first three, but four is, you know, like you said, the gruesome one. So what what kind of tone were you expecting going in before you watch the end of this? I don't know. Well, that's the kind of subversive part of it is like we spend so much time with Al, you know, who's this small fish in a big pond. And we see so much of the show through his eyes and he's, you know, a kid and it kind of feels very um, not childish, but like. You know, you 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 he's our surrogate, so we watch it through a child's eyes, and then all of a sudden it's like whiplash, like whoa, now we're going here, and it's bloody, and there's violence, and it's it's an interesting subversion, but it, it interestingly enough, it works. Like, you know, I don't know, it's just like one of those things where there is so many different things happening in this show, uh, but it's to its benefit. You know, you really see kind of all angles of it. Poor Steiner, he is shot when the Federation soldier notices that they're using Xeon guns. Mikhail blows up shit in his mobile suit, and Garcia takes down some more soldiers. Garcia tries to make a suicide play in order to blow up the Gundam, but he dies in vain, and Al is injured in the attack, too. Chris gets in the Gundam, and she she pretty easily kills Mikhail. And so, by the end of this episode, our entire A-team is killed except for Bernie. Goddamn. Yeah, unreal. Like, they are just wiped. You know, I'm I'm glad, you know, I, I love Garcia. I'm glad Mikhail got to have a cool moment, though, of actually, you know, being in one of those mobile suits. And he does get to fight Christina, so that's pretty dope. Totally. Uh, yeah, there's a great moment where Mikhail tosses a string of explosives at Chris, but it simply destroys the extra armor the Gundam was wearing, and then we get this, like, big superhero shot of the Gundam in full. I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, again, like, just to credit the animation in this show, like, you know if it was, like... Because this is the era of like He-Man and stuff, and you know those shows were so cheaply made. So in comparison, just like the animation in this show, unbelievable. Yeah, it's fantastic direction, and you know I I have watched the original Gundam series; they're good in their own right. But certainly, when you have these uh, six episode OVAs, and they they would do more OVAs as well. There's also a twelve to thirteen episode one called the uh, the Eighth MS Team. That's also fantastic. Has has a lot more action. I think the budget's even bigger. But yeah, 
when you're seeing these fights, you know, they're they're fucking giving them to you. Looks so good. Uh, Bernie, he cradles Steiner's body, and he points a gun at Al, mirroring the first episode. So, again, another fantastic shot that this episode ends on. Yeah, I, I really like... Uh, there's a few of the episodes, at least half of them, where the final shot is like... This is one of those shows now where you're like, well, thank God I don't have to wait a week, because... You're like, where is this going to go from here? Or or in the case of the release schedule for this, it was once a month. So. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, you know, they would have to tape it, or I'm not even sure if taping was a fucking thing in 1989. So, yeah. You know, I guess the intent was that it, they, they were OVAs, so I think you probably bought, like, two VHS cassettes for, like, $80 to yeah, watch the shit. Unreal. Yeah. Uh, episode five. This is where we learn about Zeon. We learn that Zeon's uh, military plans on using nukes, and the chief commander is gunned down when he objects, and the new guy takes over. The new guy is—he's seen in an earlier episode. He's wearing glasses. He's definitely the first inclination that oh, maybe Zeon sucks. If you hadn't figured it out. Well, again, that's the fun thing about Gundam, because, you know, if you, if you look into the mythology of the Earth Federation and Zeon, you're like, okay, hey, I do like, the, you know, the, the upstart independent colonies. They seem like the good guys, but then, you know, so, some rich assholes are the ones who are actually in power and they're doing, doing their own thing, which isn't so good either. Yeah, it's absolutely. Like, they want independence, but they're also Nazis, so, oh, that's not good. <laughs> So Chris is interrogated by a detective about her involvement in the attack. Al, he's walking uh, around the, the town in the aftermath of all this. He sees the body of a killed uh, he, he sees the body of a kid killed in the attack. And then meanwhile, Bernie has made a grave for Steiner. In a flashback, he lies to him about the gun to be destroyed, and Steiner calls him out. Yeah, at this point we're believing like, oh shit, this is gone real. This is what happens when you know you're in a town or or a city that is actually suffering from the effects of war and guess what it fucking sucks nobody wins nobody wins and well that's the other interesting part of the this series too because this is a neutral colony so you have people you know you have random civilians but they're not like super passionate about that like no one's getting into a fight over whether they like zeon or or the federation they're they're so disconnected from this war exactly which is also which is also why the Gundam was obviously being built there, because it's like nobody's going to suspect this neutral colony. Yeah. Bernie learns from the bartender that the Xeon military plans on using nukes. The bartender tries to persuade him to escape. Bernie tells Al of his plan to leave, but Al tries to get him to fight. Bernie tells Al that the colony will be nuked if the Gundam isn't destroyed, and then Al, with his sweet childlike mind, tries to motivate Bernie. And me, having watched this a second time, I'm just like cringing so hard. I'm like, don't do it, Al. Don't no. fucking do it. Now that I know what I yeah. know, it's like things could have been avoided. Absolutely. So, so yeah, Logan. Again, you didn't watch this. You didn't know shit about Gundam. Did Did you think this was going to have a somewhat of a happy ending? Uh, I don't know what I thought. Like, obviously, in our setting, there's got to be a conflict from here, and it's obviously building towards that. Um, it definitely ends up being considerably more. Uh, melancholy than I think I was anticipating. Absolutely. Um, what was it? Fuck, I just had a good thought. Anyways, uh, Bernie, he rips off Al's patch and it reveals it was a wire to make sure he wasn't riding on them. Again, they were ready to fucking kill Al. Oh, yeah. Within a... Which, like, there's an odd amount of people who are ready to just shoot a child 
Bernie tell uh, yeah he tells Al he's running and Al tells Bernie he hates him. He tosses the patch at him and tells him he's going to talk to the police. And then again, more child murder uh, implications. Bernie reminds him that he'll be executed if he does this shit. Oh god. And then we get another fun scene. Uh, Al is in an arcade, and the video game video games give Al visions of nuclear holocaust. Always what Again, you want to have. Always what you want to have. A 10-year-old just thinking the world's going to end. Um, but I, now that I think about it, I, you know, I was 11 when 9-11 happened. Um, my house, I have a beautiful view of the water. And when 9-11 happened, in the you know, aftermath of that, I did, I want to say, have visions of nuclear holocaust. But, you know, I could see the city from my house. And, you know, yeah. sometimes I would picture, you know, things going down. Like, shit, man. Well, when something like that happens, like it kind of changes your outlook. Absolutely. Um, Al, he asks Chris about her thoughts, and she tells him that she's a fighter. She definitely sure is. Um, Bernie catches a flight to a beach colony called Francesca. He sees a girl who kind of looks like uh, Chris. Uh, she uh, she's having a phone call talking about like her ex boyfriend or husband or some shit. And it somehow persuades him to return to the fight. Al learns his father is coming back. And then Bernie calls Al and reveals he's going to try and take down the Gundam and needs Al's help because basically, um, Zeon's going to drop a nuke unless they can destroy a Gundam before that, which if this was your standard story and you're thinking it's just going to be like, okay, cool. These guys are going to go on a mission. They're going to take down the Gundam and save the day. And final line of the episode is, I love you, Bernie, which, uh, very heartbreaking. Oh my God. Yeah, no, that's unreal. That's when the show just gets so heavy. Yeah. So let's do it. Let's talk about the final episode. Bernie and Al try to save the day. We get a fun montage of, you know, uh, them, you know, saving the day, getting the supplies they need. I'll whack some fed trucks. (laughs) to make a scene so bernie can steal a truck uh yeah they're making traps fixing up the mobile suits you know the uh the can't you see song is playing it's great and then bernie gives al a disc with instructions on what to do in case the plan fails and then bernie promises he won't die which uh promises are made to be broken am i right oh no kidding yeah um you mentioned the montage and in comparison to the rest of the episode like that just seems so uh, out of place with, you know, the tone of everything else. Again, they're they're clearly trying to trick you into thinking, yeah, this is the fun kid story. You know, the kid and his teenager best friend. They're going to save the day. It's all going to be okay. This next scene was fucking heartbreaking, especially for a second viewing, because Al prays to God to, to protect Bernie. Like, God damn it, yo. Children praying to God is just... yeah. Especially, you know, failed prayers. And we've oh. spent enough time with Al and Bernie together that we understand their relationship and I think how much Al needs a figure like Bernie in his life. So Al, he is with his father and he learns that the nuke vessel has already been dealt with and that Bernie doesn't have to fight anymore. And this is where my heart fucking sank. God damn it. What I love about this, because again, this, this series is framed as a side story. So you would think we would we would see the the nukes being taken down but no it just happens in the background and yeah no, that's we, its own story we only hear about it and that's you know how it would be you know you, you you wouldn't like it wouldn't make sense in this story to cut away to show like 
other characters dealing with this other thing like we only need to hear about it and that's why it's so perfect uh bernie and chris fight uh what the fuck was this i completely um oh i got their names confused yeah bernie and chris do fight i thought it was al and chris fight what the fuck (laughs) uh that'd be a different story yeah, I was like, what? Anyways, uh, so we get to see the battle with Bernie versus Chris. Uh, we see Bernie take a brutal shot to the head in his cockpit. Like, again, these these are massive mobile suits. They're, you know, using very destructive weapons. So when Bernie's head it starts bleeding, I'm just like, God fucking damn it. Yeah, it completely caught me off guard. Because, again, we're like, yeah, of course Bernie would make it through. Why wouldn't he? And then you start to see things get bloody, and you're like, oh. Oh. This is not going the way I thought it would. Yeah, and this this battle is also like a knockdown, drag down fight. Um, you know, they're they're fighting in the woods, and you know, these two characters are not the best pilots either. C- Chris is definitely a more competent pilot than say Bernie. Yeah, but you know, she she's not Amuro Ray. She is not one of the, the the heroes who is like saving the world. She's kind of you know, um, one of the side characters. So. Even her fighting style is kind of scrappier and brutal. And yeah, they're just like these these two massive mobile suits are just rolling in a forest for God's sake. Yeah, they're just beating on each other. It's like a street fight. Uh, and then it really is. Okay. And then God damn it, Al is like yelling in vain because of course they can't hear them. They're in mobile suits. They've got like, you know, a million sounds that they're paying attention to. They've got their doodads or some shit. And Al's just like begging uh, them to stop. Fuck. Bernie and Chris both get major shots onto each other, but Chris's beam sword pierces Bernie's cockpit and obliterates him into what is referred to as a pile of hamburger. Yeah, that really got like, me. I was like, don't do this. I love Bernie. And then the guy's like, yeah, fucking hamburger. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah, it's... Oh my god. Yeah, Just the way his cockpit blows up too, there's like no question that Bernie has survived this. Oh, it's devastating, man. Um, so we get to see the disc that, uh, Bernie gave Al and he says, it's a tape confession of why the colony attack would happen. Bernie says he had to fight because he needed to, and that he shouldn't hate the Gundam or the Federation because they're just trying to do what's right. And then he says, by the way, say hi to Chris. Cause again, neither of these two even knew they were fighting each other. Yeah. And then Al sees Chris. Yeah, he sees Chris and she tells him she's been transferred back to Earth and she says, say goodbye to Bernie for me. Oh, and it's just like devastating, dude. And then we, I I don't know who's giving this speech at the end. I think it might be the mayor or the leader of the colony or some shit. He's giving this passionate speech and Al's friends are trying to comfort him by telling him, hey, Al, why are you crying? There's going to be another war. That's how it fucking ends. And Al is just completely you know melancholy to the whole thing like he's come to the realization like oh yeah war not my favorite thing fuck man so how do you how do you feel about this ending logan uh not what i was anticipating when i started the show when i started the show i was like all right gi joe let's go and then i finished the show and i'm like oh man gi no War, what is it good for? Absolutely nothing. That's the message of this. Cool. Yeah, man. All right. I think it's just, you know, it's such a... We've experienced this whole show through Al's eyes, and then to see that change in his character and just leave it at that while all his friends are like, yeah, war, and Al's just basically looking at the ground. It's uh, it's tough, man. 
Yeah, he's crying. He's lost his innocence. He's lost his big Fuck. brother. Yeah, R.I.P. Bernie. Pour one out. Um, all right, I think we're ready. To, we'll we'll move on to final thoughts. But first, let's talk about something fun. Let's do our favorite segment. Uh, cue the music. Speed wagon, 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 speed wagon. Allow me to elucidate ya. The name is Robert E.O. Speedwagon. All right, for those just joining in, the Speedwagon is our favorite supporting character, or any character really, of these episodes. I shall go for first. Uh, my Speedwagon, of course, is Garcia. Garcia fucking rules. Garcia gets shit done. We need a Garcia spinoff. I want to see what Garcia was up to. Maybe he was on Space Australia. Maybe he was one of the guys who like fucked up um, Sydney. Who yeah, knows? Could be. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Mobile suit Gundam. Uh, origin of Garcia. Make it happen. Start a GoFundMe. I wasn't sure because um, there's not even the actor who plays Garcia isn't even credited. So I don't know if it's an actual hispanic or latino actor portraying him i do think it is like a, an actual um person of color portraying him because that that accent i think is pretty specific i don't know about you logan yeah i'd be inclined to agree with you on that i'm leaning towards it was not a white person <laughs> yeah i mean who knows for sure especially since that character is not or that actor is not credited but you know we'll uh considering the accent will will uh remain optimistic they they did a fantastic job it's it almost feels out of place but i mean that's the thing that's what i like about gundam too it it is a japanese franchise but it is very international again we're talking about hispanic characters russian characters um one we see one of the professors he is uh he he is what appears to be african-american he is voiced by bo billingsley in a small role who is an African-American voice actor. So yeah, yeah, it's not this like Japanese centric series. It's again, it's set in space. So it's worldly. Yeah. Absolutely. Australia exists. <laughs> and I mean, if Australia exists. <laughs> oh, and I, did I mention Francesca, Francesca, the beach colony? Fuck. That's a, that's a place. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Logan, who's your speed wagon? I think I got to go with the Cro-Magnum man with the mustache, Sam Elliott, Steiner. Steiner rules, man. You know, like any good leader, he has to die, unfortunately. What a name he had. Oh, my God. With a name like that, how could I not pick this man? Final thoughts, yo. Final thoughts on Gundam, War in the Pocket. I'll go. I'll go. Um, I love it. I was kind of... It's funny because... Way back with Malcolm and I, we were supposed to do this as like our 10th episode, and then we ended up doing Akira, and then sometimes I'd be like, hey, let's do War in the Pocket, and then Malcolm would, Malcolm or I would push it off for whatever reason, and I guess, I guess based on my memory, I just didn't remember it super well. I'm like, okay, this can be one of the afterthought podcasts we can do. I'm like, actually, no, I think this is one of the better things we've ever done. This series rules. It, it looks gorgeous. The story is fantastic. It hits those notes. It's brutal. Yeah. 
go watch it. What about you, Logan? Yeah, going into it, I was like, all right, I have no reference point as to what this franchise is, so I feel I'm going to be pretty useless on this podcast, but I'll give it a go. And then I, you know, I got really into those six episodes because, I, I, you know, the characters are well-written. Al is a very good surrogate for us to view this uh, whole world and this conflict through because, you know, it starts off so exciting, at least for me, who has no reference uh, for Gundam. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's going to be like cool G.I. Joe, Star Wars, Space Transformers show. And it's a little smarter than that, you know, and that kind of subversion of what you're expecting from an 80s anime like this you know with this setting is a a nice change of pace from you know had this been like an american show you know it would have just basically been yeah gi joe let's go war cool and uh yeah no this has me interested to kind of explore more gundam stuff because i from what i've read this is the really like critically acclaimed one uh and knowing that it's kind of a pocket story uh, has me kind of curious as to what like, you know the the greater arc of it all kind of involves. There's a lot of Gundam shows. Malcolm and I covered uh, one of the standalone series. Uh, uh, what is it? Iron Blooded Orphans. Although I didn't pick the best episode, so Malcolm did not care for it. <laughs> also, that's just it's also a 50 episode show, so it is something where you do have to invest some time in. I do think you know it is not as good as War in the Pocket. It's it's definitely a more action focused show. Uh, and and the character designs are are, are very uh, 2012 anime, so they're 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 kind of over the top in, in that kind of way. But I do think the thing about Gundam, there is a lot of it. Not all of it is good, but there is a lot of it, and the good stuff is very very good. And when they do hit those themes of again, war fucking sucks. Because uh, Iron Blood Orphans is a, is a series where it's like, hey, child soldiers, child soldiers having fun, kicking ass, and then by the end, in typical Gundam form, uh, a lot of these characters are dead. The ones who aren't dead are in a worse position than they've ever been in, or they're just you know completely have lost their innocence and are just brutal killing machines. Fun shit. So war, what is it? <laughs> war, what is it good for? Um... So with you with Gundam, like, does this rank among your favorites? Is this kind of, is the, is this your favorite? Are there other shows that you prefer to this one? Uh, where does it kind of fall for you in the ranking? That's a good question. I th- I think it's definitely, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to dispute it as number one. But again, because it's a standalone show, it's almost a gimme. Um, so yeah, it's definitely up there. It's an easy recommend because it's like, hey, do you know anything about Gundam? No? Well, guess what? Neither do the lead characters. <laughs> they are they're they're just as clueless as you. They they don't really have much investment in the conflict. They're just kind of there, and that's how they get fucked up. Yeah. Um. Absolutely. Actually, the the Gundam show I'm enjoying a lot right now is the one that's airing currently. It's called Mobile Suit Gundam: The Witch from Mercury. It's it's another alternate universe story, so you can just jump right in. I think there's like six or seven episodes of it as of this recording. It's a uh, it's got the first female lead for Gundam. It's also very gay. Oh. It's uh, it's about it's about this girl um, who who's quote unquote the witch from Mercury because she is from Mercury, but she has this kind of. Again, I was talking about new types earlier. This go these aren't new types per se, but it's kind of similar to that mythology of like you know these people with special abilities, special genetic abilities, who are good at Gundams. Um, but yeah, it's uh, her in a school setting. She's battling other students. And she ends up uh, winning a battle, and the result is uh, this 
one girl has to be her bride because she's won the battle. And it's about their relationship and other people also wanting to be her bride. Hopefully it'll, it'll stay gay and not be a straight wash by the end. Very fun show. Fantastic character designs. It is 2D animation. It's not resorting to that 3D animation that a lot of shows are kind of doing right now. So honestly, now's a good time to get into Gundam. Watch The Witch from Mercury. <laughs> Maybe we'll even cover it. Yeah, that's awesome, man. <laughs> yeah, there's so much Gundam, so much. I, yeah, I guess that was Final Thoughts, eh? Yeah, uh, watch this show. I had no <laughs> idea what Gundam was, and I thought it was dope as hell. That's perfect. Uh, Logan, where can people find you? Uh, I am on Instagram at HeyHeyLogan underscore. I also buy records, and that's HeyHeyVinyl underscore. Uh, if you want to look at some records and say, hey, there's a record, and that's where you go for that. Fantastic. You can find me at OnlyRealJackM on Twitter. I guess Twitter is going to be dead in like probably a week or two <laughs> at this rate. Yeah, thanks for <laughs> More and more people. More- more and more people are leaving. I just saw a, a news briefing on my phone saying like, yeah, a bunch of chief uh, people are just like fucking out. Maybe Mastodon will be the thing. You mean you're not going to pay $8 for a check mark? I don't, I just want to see cool shit, man. Yeah. I just want to see cool shit. Um, and you know, funny, <laughs> the good thing about Twitter is that Twitter, uh, t- Twitter versus Tumblr, what? Twitter somehow gets away with nudity, but Tumblr doesn't. I know that's the whole thing. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yes, I have seen nudity. On no, Twitter. I know. Cause, yeah, because Tumblr famously banned nudity or some okay. shit. I don't know. That's a whole other story. We'll do that if there's ever a Tumblr anime. Join us next week when we talk about <laughs> Twitter versus Tumblr. <laughs> Maybe there'll be an ad- anime adaptation of it. I'm, I'm sure Musk would love to be portrayed as an anime <laughs> character. Anyways, uh, you can find us at uh, Is This Anime Podcast on Twitter as well and Instagram, where we're definitely more active. And remember, uh, can't you see that you are sweet? <laughs> Bye. Roll credits.